0: Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live.
1: Jesus' name. Somebody say, Jesus. Let's stand together all over the room. Let's clap our hands to the Lord. Are you glad to be here this morning? amen welcome to our very first first word it's going to be a great day here at the church and i'm excited about this aren't you excited about this it's good to be together again so this is how this is going to look uh, at the beginning at 10 a.m there's not going to be any music we're not going to open up with a song we're going to open up with focused prayer everybody say prayer now, now, I know that, that you know just as well as I do, you know, sometimes we can go through a, a, a canned prayer and just kind of go through motions here. But I'm asking that this prayer, that this prayer, that we would prepare our hearts, that we would prepare our spirit for the word of the Lord. And when, uh, and when we get done praying, pastor's going to get up, he's going to teach. But, but how many know that, that the word needs to fall on prepared ground? Amen. Somebody say amen to that. So here's what I want us to do. I want us to take two minutes, and I want us to lift our hands, and I want us to prepare our spirit, our heart for the Word of God this morning. Come on, all over this room, Lord, we love you. God, we thank you today for who you are. We enter into your gates with thanksgiving. We enter into your courts with praise. We are thankful unto you, and we bless your name. For the Lord is good, for you are good, O God, and your mercy is everlasting. Your truth endureth unto all generations. God, we are thankful today for who you are. We're thankful for your word that is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We are thankful for your word that is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, God. We're thankful for your word today that gives us direction. God, we believe that your word is for us. I believe that your word is for me. It's not just for the church. It's not just for God, my neighbor. It's for me. Every promise in that word is for me. Every principle in that word is for me. And I pray today, oh God, that you would Prepare My heart, that you would prepare my mind, God, to be open to receive your word, to hear your word and to receive your word. I don't want to be a hearer of the word only, but I want to be a doer of the word, God. I pray that you would help me today, oh God, as the leader of my home, God, as a father, as a husband. God, I pray that you'd prepare my spirit. I need your word. I need your word. Word to be illuminated in my life how can I hear without a preacher and how can he preach except he be sent God I have faith God for this word today I have faith God that what you are saying today is for me and for my family I have faith today God to receive your word oh God we believe that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord we thank you oh god for every promise we thank you for every word god at the outset of this message today god we rejoice we thank you oh god for truth we thank you oh god for the knowledge of who you are expand our understanding today expand our knowledge of who you are today in jesus name would you clap your hands and thank god Oh, I feel him in this room this morning. I think you ought to clap your hands and somebody shout hallelujah. Come on, shout hallelujah. Let's welcome our pastor as he comes to preach this morning. On
0: a hill far away stood an old The emblem of suffering And shame! I love that old cross, where the dearest and best for a world of lost was slain. Lift your hands! So I'll cherish the old rugged cross. Till my trophies, at last I lay down. I will cling, I will cling to the oak old and exchange it. Let's thank Him for the cross today. Let's thank Him for the cross today. Hallelujah. Oh, there's a spirit of worship in here today. I want to magnify him. Oh, we magnify you today, Almighty God. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. If you would grab your Bibles today and turn to the book of 1 Samuel, the book of 1 Samuel, we will bring our text today from verse 26. And uh, we will start a series that will last for several weeks in our first word service. And I do sound a little croaky today, but I have been in a lot of church services in the last three weeks. I really have. I preached a lot, miraculously was able to preach Friday night, had no voice, but I had a word. And uh, Sawyer prayed for me before I got in the pulpit. My voice came to me, was able to preach, and after service, my voice left me. And uh, But here I am this morning and feel. Such the hand of the Lord. And it's so good to be together today. Doesn't it feel good to be together? We put a lot of additional seats in there. Amen. And I want to say thanks for the team, for all the planning. This has been weeks and weeks of planning. And uh, for all the work and all of you uh, working with us, parking and on and on, thank you for helping us accommodate uh, the church here. Sister Ferris, we're so glad you're here. We're so thankful. You'll be hearing from her in the 11 o'clock service. But we're so thankful that you're here. She's here helping us work on our 80th anniversary service and the history there. And we're putting a book together of the history of the church. And so uh, she's helping us write that. And uh, we're so thankful. Um, So in 1 Samuel chapter 1, reading verse 26, you'll also see that Samuel is also called the first book of the Kings. So 2 Samuel would be called the 2nd book of the Kings. 1 Kings would be called 3rd. And then 2 Kings would be called the 4th. We're reading from 1 Samuel, otherwise called the 1st book of the Kings. Verse 26 of 1 Samuel 1 says, And she said, O my Lord, as thy soul liveth, she's speaking to Eli, my Lord, I am the woman that stood by thee here praying unto the Lord. For this child I prayed and the Lord hath given me my petition which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord as long as he liveth he shall be lent to the Lord and he worshipped the Lord there. Speaking of Samuel. He worshipped the Lord there. I would start a family series starting right now and uh, talking about training up your children. It is going to be parallel to the book of Samuel about Samuel. God bless you. You may be seated. This first word will be a little different than what you are used to me preaching on Sunday. And I know culturally there is a shift here with how we're doing church. and um, But we're going to Keep our Bibles open. We're going to read through the scripture. And verse by verse, as we see fit, we'll begin to explain what is going on. So, 1 Samuel chapter 1, because this is teaching today. Amen. Someone once said that preaching saves the sinner, but teaching saves the saint. That's right. We need the teaching of the word of the Lord. What is the ultimate goal of this? The ultimate goal is that your home your home becomes a light to your community. That your home has great revival and a harvest that follows. If we ever get revival in the home, harvest will happen in the community. It's bigger than a church. God never intended for the church building to be the only place that the gospel is preached. He wants your home to become a light in a dark hour. I can see it in the spirit. God has revealed it to me I can see a house with a light in the window a family teaching the Word of God to their neighbors friends and family members in the house I can see the light in the window and darkness is all around God wants us to empower the saints of God to be exactly what he's called them to be and that is the light of the world a city that is set on a hill that can't be hid. A city has houses in it. God wants to empower you. I want you to look at somebody next to you and say, God wants to empower your home to be a light in a dark hour. And so that's the ultimate goal of this series and this teaching is to empower your home. First Samuel chapter 1 it says, now there was a certain man of Ramatham Zophim of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkina. It goes on and talks about, he has, verse two, two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, the name of the other, Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. So it tells a story, and it's mirroring uh, and you'll find Samuel does this in the first few chapters here it's it's the tale of two wives. After chap, during chapter two it's the, it's the tale of two of Eli's sons and Hannah's sons. But what you'll find here is it says this man went up out of the city yearly to worship to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. Shiloh is where the tabernacle was. Shiloh is where the light of God was. Shiloh is where people would pilgrimage in to worship. It says, and the two sons of Eli, um, Hophni and Phinehas, the priest of the Lord, were there. So you're gonna start seeing this parallel that begins to happen. But it says, and when the time was that Akina offered, he gave to Penina his wife, and to all her sons and her daughters. She she at least had two sons, and at least had two daughters. And uh, But he didn't only have one wife, he had two wives. and. Um, It says, but unto Hannah, unto Hannah, he gave a worthy portion. And says, because she had no children, but the Lord had shut up her womb. She was barren because God made her barren. Hannah was barren. Everybody say, Hannah was barren. Now, the Lord didn't tell her she was barren. She knew she was barren. The Lord didn't tell her he had made her barren. She knew she was barren. She was unable to have children. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept and did not eat. Excuse me, verse six. It says, and her adversary, because her womb was shut, also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. It's interesting because when she could not have children, it appears, doesn't say it specifically, but it appears that, The the sister wife in those days of polygamy was provoking her, degrading her. Look at all these children I have, but you can't have children. I'm blessed, you're not blessed. And it, it appears that provoking her to soar, it greed her spirit. I want to stop here and first say to every parent, every mother, everybody in the room, you have to be careful what voices you listen to. They say one thing because they really don't know anything. They don't know what God knows. And before you receive an ad, a voice of the adversary, you you need to hear the voice of God. And uh, it provoked her. But I've learned something about the body is when you start provoking the body of Christ, it always turns into a prayer meeting. And when people start praying, Heaven starts opening. Sometimes adversaries come in our life to provoke us to do what God really wants us to do. Without an adversary, my uncle taught the need of an adversary, and this is a little bit off subject, but the Bible says he left some of the Canaanites there. Why? To provoke them to do. If we get too comfortable, we become ho-hum. Paul said, I have a foreign in my flesh. That a messenger of Satan that was sent to buffet me, why? To humble and to keep him praying. But I'm going to tell you right now, anytime you get Hannah praying, something starts happening. Something starts happening when the mother starts praying. Oh, let me stay there for a minute. Let me say the first powerful point about Hannah is that she was a praying mother. And when the enemy came, she started praying. And anytime time mama starts praying, something powerful starts happening. You want to have a powerful home? Have a praying parent. You want to have a powerful home? Have a praying mother. You want to have a powerful family? Have a praying father. Oh, there's something about people that know how to pray. Oh, can you say amen? You know what Elkanah did every year? He got his family up and went to the house of God. I want to say to every dad, you need to make sure your family is in the house of God. To every father in this room, it's hard to shake a family when dad is bringing them to the house of God. And in the first part of this, you're going to see the teaching of what Elkanah did and what Hannah did. The enemy provoked her sore that so that she wept. She couldn't even eat. I have over the years pastored many people that seemingly or were barren or couldn't have children at the time. And they were fretting and broken and troubled. Many since I've been here, I've been here 18 years. I've seen that this is where she was. It says in verse eight, she, she wouldn't eat. Uh, she, she's weeping. And then said her husband to her, Hannah, why? Why are you crying? Why weepest thou? Why eatest thou not? And why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by a post of the temple of the Lord. Are y'all reading with me? And she was in bitterness of soul. She is emotional. She is broken. I've learned this in parenting that sometimes we don't want our kids to be emotional but they need to be emotional but just with some limitation. We can't teach our kids not to respond to anything. There needs to be emotion. I'd rather have to calm somebody down than have to resurrect them. Sometimes a spirited kid can be very, can be very mightily used of the Lord. There's somebody over here that's ho-hum, just has no energy, no passion for nothing at all. It can, That wheel can be steered. Hannah was passionate. She was bitterness of soul. But what did she do when she got in bitterness of soul? She paraded under the Lord. I don't see her going after the enemy. I don't see her going after this voice of the adversary. Be careful what you do with the wrong voices. Don't chase Negative voices. Get on your knees and spill your emotion out in prayer. When she started praying, everybody say, and prayed. Verse, the Bible says she prayed and she wept sore. And she, verse 11, she wept sore. She was so passionate. She is broken before God. She is weeping. I want everybody to close your eyes. I want you to picture a mother crying tears. Tears are running down her face. What's she crying about? She wants a baby. She wants to be a mother. She wants to have a child. She's unable, her womb is barren. She doesn't know why. Why is she different than other women? Why is she different than others? Why is she going through what she's going through? She's weeping, she's weeping. In the weeping, what does she do? Verse 11, here's what I wanna say to every parent and we're talking about family life here today. Verse 11 says, and she vowed a vow. I want everybody to say, she vowed a vow. There's more to it than just having children. There's more to this than just having babies. My mother would pray over us while we were in the womb. She asked God's hand to be upon my life and to use me as a light. That's what my name means, minister of light. She would pray over me in the womb. That's why some of your kids recognize me right after they're born because they hear my voice in your womb. When I'm preaching, they know your voice in the womb. Jillian has a bond to me. One of the reasons she has a bond to me, I'm convinced because when she was born two and a half months early, I was down there in the NICU unit when my wife couldn't be there. And I would hold her hand and pray over her while she was in the incubator when she was born at 29 weeks. There's a bond that happens there. I want to say to every mother in the room and every dad, they need to hear your voice from the womb. Amen. Not just eating your food. The umbilical cord, but they need to hear your voice in the womb. They need to hear a voice that's laced with prayer. The word Hannah actually means grace. They need to feel the touch of God. I'll feel this here right now. There's something that happens in the baby in the womb. The Bible says when, when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, that she was with child of the Holy Spirit, Amen. speaking of Jesus that was in her, when Elizabeth heard that, John leaped in the womb. Science tells us to play different types of music that it'll cause their brain to start responding better even in the womb. It's what science teaches, that there's something that happens in the womb. I wanna say to every one of you, it's not just about every every young mother, every young father that will have children. Uh, listen to me, you need to understand, protect the womb. Even, even uh, uh, Samson's mother made a vow that she would not take the vine while Samson was in the womb. Brings a whole new light to Roe versus Wade. It must be more than a piece of tissue if they were guarding it while it was in the womb. Come on, come on, Jeremiah said. The Lord spoke to him and said before I formed thee in the womb I knew thee and I ordained you a prophet. It might be the size of a peanut but it's fearfully and wonderfully made. It is God's design, God's hand, God's plan. I'm going to protect it in the womb. I'm going to protect it in the womb. I wish everybody would grab your belly right now and say, I'm going to protect, amen, the babe, Even the men, there's some things in the spirit that we've got to protect. Can you say amen? amen? Protect that which is in the womb. And before she ever conceived, oh, everybody say protect the womb. That's exactly right. Ah, oh, let me just stay here. I'm going to teach... Uh, I I won't teach longer than 1045, and that's my commitment to you. Uh, That means I might teach shorter. But it doesn't mean when I get done at 1045, I'm going to be done. That's why we have a series. Amen. The Lord's filled me up. The Lord's filled me up. You've got to guard the womb. That's right. Let, let Let me stay right here for a minute. God was guarding the womb. That's why he caused her to be barren. She was barren because God was guarding the womb. I'll, I'll, I'll help you. That's why when you see Sarah, who was vowed by, uh, uh, told by God that she would have a child in her older age. I mean, know that. Abraham, there was a promise from the angel, you're gonna have a child. It didn't happen for 25 years. But there was a vow over her. There was a prophecy over her. And when he got fearful, after the Lord appeared to him in famine and land, he went down to Egypt. When he got into Egypt, he went down and he said, Listen, if anybody asks who you are, you tell them that you're my sister. Because I'm, you're so good looking, he'll kill me and take you as his wife. That's the Bible. And so that's exactly what happened. got down there and said, oh, this is my sister. The king took her, Abimelech, took her in. And uh, in the night, the Lord visited him. And in essence, let me just throw this in there. He said, if you touch her, I'll kill you. Exactly right. You know what he was doing? He was preserving the womb of her. Because he knew what was going to come out of her was going to be more than just another baby. He knew that what was going to come out of her was going to come in Isaac that was going to be a father to a nation. Oh, I hope you hear me. We're not just having babies in American culture. We're having people that are going to change the world. They're not just like everybody else. Oh, let me preach to you for a minute. Everybody take your hand and say he was guarding the womb. And, in, and, and he told her, he said, he, he told him, you touch her, he, he, he said to the, the king, he said, that's Abraham's wife. Next day, king meets Abraham and said, why didn't you tell me it's your wife? God says he's gonna kill me. Get out of here. And uh, he was guarding the womb. All right, let me say this, she was barren because he was guarding the womb. Speaking of Hannah. God made her barren. God didn't let her have children because he was guarding her womb because he didn't want her womb just to be like everybody else, just having children. I was in Memphis, Tennessee. I was praying. uh, I had never preached where I was getting ready to preach. It was a Friday night, getting ready to preach to a church I'd never been to, never preached there. And I got on my knees and I said, Lord, in the hotel, I'd studied what to preach. I said, God, who am I preaching to tonight? And the Lord said, you're preaching to a Samuel generation. I said, I don't understand. He said, in, in that day in 1 Samuel, he said, they were provoking my sacrifices. They were committing abominations in the, house of the God, in the house of God. They were provoking me. They were not doing things right. He said, I needed somebody to have a child that would train their children up to be different than what was existing there at the moment. He's, the Lord told me, Brother Michael, he said, Brother Michael Croson, the Lord spoke to me. He said, I caused her womb to be barren. He said, because I didn't need just another mother. He said, I needed another mother that would make a vow. That's what he told me. I needed a mother that would make a vow. He said, her barrenness caused her to make a vow before me. Oh, I had, I had to get my Bible I'd read it. And I started reading it, and sure enough, exactly what he said. The Lord had made her barren. And the Bible says in verse 11, and she vowed a vow. My goodness. Oh, there's some moms and dads in here right now that you have children. They're in your home. Maybe they are grown, but you didn't have this teaching. Maybe you, you've never heard even of a Hannah or Samuel. Maybe you're new in the church. We got a lot of new people in the church, never even heard the story. But you know what you can do today? There is power in a vow. And she made a vow to the Lord and said, Oh, Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaiden. What she thought was an affliction was actually a plan of God. Everything that is barren in your life doesn't mean it's wrong in your life. Sometimes God allows things in our life to get us to a place where we will get to where we need to be. What sometimes seemingly is a blessing is really gets us off track because we don't appreciate really what we have. How I me mean, know it's true. Somebody say amen. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord host, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thy handmaid, and what? Remember me. She felt forgotten. She felt overlooked. She felt like God didn't know where she was. I want you to elbow your neighbor and say, God knows where you're at. Look at your neighbor and say, God's just guarding the womb. Do you believe this teaching today? Somebody shout, he's guarding the womb. He hasn't forgot about you. He said, she said and remembered. So she, she prayed, she prayed, she vowed a vow and it says, remember me and not forget thy handmaiden but with, wilt thou give unto thy handmaid a man child. I'm asking for a boy. Then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life and there shall no razor come upon his head. No razor come upon his head. Meaning that he's gonna be a Nazarite from Numbers chapter six. He's gonna be a Nazarite vow. He's gonna be different than everybody. If you give me a baby, I won't let him be like the world. He's gonna look different than the world. He's gonna be different than everybody else. Everybody else looks one way, but I'll let him be a vow of a Nazarite. I want him to be a leader. I want him to be a man. Listen, listen, there's more to this than winning trophies at ball games with our kids. I don't want him to be like everybody else. I want him to be a man of God. I want him to be a child of God. She said, No razor will come up on his head. She said, Within well, when I give him unto the Lord, all the days, days of there shall no razor come up on his head. And it came to pass as she continued praying. Everybody say, Blessings come and continued praying. And continued praying before the Lord that Eli marked her mouth. Some, some believe that he just focused on how she was praying. Focused on what she was saying. There's one translation that actually believe he smacked her. How dare you act this way in the house of God? Because he talks to her. He goes on and says, "How dare you come in here drunk like this? How can you come into the house of God, the tabernacle, drunk on wine?" He told her. He, read, read on down, and and uh, he says unto her, verse verse um, 13. Now Hannah, she spake in her heart, only her lips moved. I believe she prayed so long she lost her voice, personally. That's an opinion. But her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken. Look at your neighbor say, she's not drunk as ye suppose. Sounds like Bible, doesn't it? A- Amen. And Eli said unto her, how long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine from thee. Here's the point. It had been so long and shallow. So many years in Shiloh since the priest had seen somebody passionate. Seen somebody pray that way. It had been so long since he had seen somebody weep before God and pray with such passion that he thought she was drunk instead of desperate. God, don't let the anchor get to a place of mediocrity that we can't discern passion and we think there's something wrong with somebody when they're an exuberant worshiper or a passionate intercessor. Oh, I say we need passionate parents. We need passionate leaders. We need passionate family members. We need people that know how to make a vow. Hey. Hey. Listen, I, we're not going to make excuses for anybody that gets up out of, the, out of their seat and dances before the Lord. We're not going to make an excuse for somebody up here in agony of prayer, praying over their community. Oh no, we need passionate people in 2022 that know how to pray, that know how to get a hold of God with passion. Amen. That's what we need. We need it. Somebody say passion. Oh, he marked her mouth, whether he discerned it or slapped her, not 100% sure, but he was disgusted by her. Get rid of your wine. Quit. How how dare you be drunken here? And Hannah answered and said in verse 15, no, no, my Lord. I am a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I'm a sorrowful spirit. I, I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink, but have poured out my soul before the Lord. I have poured out my soul. I have anything left to give. I poured every ounce of energy I've got, every bit of my voice <laughs> upon this altar. I'm sorrowful. I'm broken. I'm broken. I'm broken. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I asked God one time, I said, why did you forgive that man? He disobedient, went the wrong direction, made bad decisions, and he came to the church and ran to the altar, repented, did completely against anything I taught. The, the direction I gave him many, many years ago. I was just a young pastor. I asked God, I said, why did you give him mercy? And The Lord showed me his mother's face. The Lord showed me immediately his mother's face. She had tears running down her face. He said, I gave him mercy because of her. There's power in a praying mama. Don't you give up on your kids. Oh, let me talk to some people who's been in church for a few years. You might have been here 50. You might have been in this for 30 and 40 years, but let me tell you something. Get along with God with a sorrowful spirit and say, God, save my baby. Save my children. Oh, God, don't let them go to hell. Don't let them be lost. I'm convinced there's power in a praying mama. I I know I'm supposed to be teaching, but this is what I feel when he praying moms and dads. and say, I'm not giving up on my babies. I want God to do something in my family. Hallelujah. Oh, I got a prophetic utterance upon me right now. If you'll fast and pray, God's going to bring great deliverance to them. If you'll bring fasting and prayer, it'll bring great deliverance to your family. I'm talking about a revival in your family. It's going to happen. Oh, clap your hands and praise Him. Clap your hands and praise Him. come on, Hannah, you're the church. Come on, Hannah, you're the church. Oh, God. She fasted. She was stood from wine. She fasted. She was so desperate. She was so desperate. I've learned that fasting brings tears to my prayer. I've learned that fasting creates passion. In us. If you do not fast, then you are not hungry. Isn't that revelatory? Can I give you a great revelation? Get your pens and paper out and write this down. Date it because it's so profound. He who fasts is hungry. Somebody told me one time, they said said one time to their pastor, they said, you're not going to believe it. I've been fasting. What is it? What can I believe? I'm hungry. I'm not talking about hunger of the belly. I'm talking about hunger of the soul. Somebody's got to look at your kids and get desperate. Come on, I'm preaching to half of this church right now. Hungry to see them where they need to be. How many want that to happen? Hannah didn't have it right. She had, to have, she had to have barrenness to get to a place where God was going to do in her what He wanted to do in her. I, I, I can't move on. I just feel like we need to lift our hands and start picturing our children in the church. Start picturing our grandkids in the house of God. Come on. I want you to picture it. I want you to picture it. Come on. There's a call to prayer. There really is. There's a call to prayer. Hallelujah! 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 I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna I think we've had enough teaching today. I think we need to pray. I think we need to pray. We need to turn this room into a prayer room. Mama, I prophesy to you: if you'll fast and pray, they're coming home. I'm telling this church. I'm telling this body: if you'll fast and pray, they're coming home. There is a there is a, there's a there's a prophetic touch of the Lord in here. There are some of you, your children have never been in the house of God. You live for God. They've never known. The devil said, well, if you live for God, then they would be here, but they're going to be lost because you didn't live for God. I'm going to tell you, that is a lie from Penina. Oh, that's a lie from the enemy. That's a provoking of the enemy. My child, I am going to have babies and my children are going to live in the church. Amen. That's what somebody's got to get a hold of. I'm not taking your word. I'm taking his word. (laughs) I wonder what would happen on this first word service that we would get on our knees somewhere and we would just start praying. That word prayer, when the Bible says Hannah prayed, that word actually means she intercedes. Do y'all feel this today? Hey young men, hey young men on the front row, it's time to pray. I want us all, let's not leave, let's pray. I want you to get on your knees across the room. they are gonna dim the lights. We're gonna turn this room into a prayer room for our family and our community. If you can physically, I want you to get on your knees and start crying out. Oh God, oh God, we're hungry. Oh, we're a sore soul. We're of a bitter soul, bitterness of soul. Oh God, we want babies. We want a revival of backsliders. Come on, Hannah. God's not forgotten you. He just needs you to make a vow. He needs you to get passionate again. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah.
1: Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast.